1: To get divorced at first, it's going to seem really devastating. And even if you maybe look at your numbers at first, or maybe if you were a stay at home mom and you have to go back to work, there's all these like massive changes that come with it. And like you can look at it as your life is over, or you can look at it as like your life 2.0 is beginning.
0: Dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, we're going to be discussing money after divorce and the steps we can take to bounce back financially with our friend of the show, Kat Collins. Second, we are back with our debt-free living segment. This quarter, we're going to be featuring Ashley Patrick from Charlotte, North Carolina, who paid off of debt with her husband, and that smart money move helped her to afford to become a stay-at-home mom. And last but not least, my son Calvin's going to be joining me for another good word. The good word's going to be a little different today because we're going to be sharing three random participants that have received a $50 Amazon gift card. This is from the folks who filled out the annual Marriage, Kids, and Money survey, helping us have a better show and better content and just giving us great feedback overall. Calvin, now with the help of Alexa, is going to be picking three names at random and we're going to spread some hopeful joy for everybody in the community. All right, let's jump into today's show. Divorce can not only be emotionally challenging, but financially challenging as well. What was once something done in partnership is now something you're doing on your own. To help people who are trying to navigate money after divorce, I've invited a financial expert who has recently gone through divorce, our friend Kat Collins. She's back on the show today. Kat is a nationally recognized financial educator and the author of "Mom's Got Money, a millennial mom's guide to managing money like a boss. When she's not helping moms win with their money, she enjoys spending time with her boy girl twins and their rescue dog named Julep. Welcome back to the show, Kat.
1: Thank you for having me back. Is this my this is third?
0: Three. Three. The magic number. Is it
1: a record or do you like someone else? <laughs> um, I think there's been a, three. a A couple with three that's fine. I'll just have to come back tomorrow. Oh yeah. But we'll, uh,
0: maybe with 2023 we'll just make it a lot. Okay. okay. We'll just we'll just smash the just, record. Okay, year. sounds good. Well thank you for being here. I know this is a topic that's really difficult for a lot of men and women. Sure. After they go through this, it's something that can be really trying financially. So after you go through divorce, what are some steps, some smart money moves that people could take following divorce?
1: Thanks for having me on to talk about this. And before I answer, I just want to say thanks for being such a good friend to me during well, this process. You. You're one of the few people who's friends with both my ex and me. You've been so helpful to bounce all these money conversations off of, like, you know, offline as friends. I really appreciate your support. Anytime. I think the The biggest thing is that divorce is so emotionally challenging and there's not one person that says like, wow, I'm so much financially better off after this divorce or like, gee, I really just, you know, I just feel so much better about my bank account after this. Like no one says that. Right. So. It's hard to have both the emotional and the financial hit. And so I think the best thing to do is just to get as organized as possible. Every divorce process is going to be different, but pretty much all of them involve having to put all of your financial cards on the table. You really have to pull out legally, you know, Every account that you have, if you had an, an account on the side or an investment account, I mean, I remember we had, we each had little baby crypto balances, like just from playing around, <laughs> you a know, a baby crypto yeah, balance. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Oh, I have $100 in Bitcoin, like, every single thing you have, mm-hmm. you have to put on the table. And so It can be hard for people who maybe aren't the money person or maybe aren't as organized or don't know exactly what they have or like, no, they have a retirement account at work, but have no idea what's in it or haven't logged on to their student loan accounts in a while. So the very first step is just kind of like know what you have. And then after the divorce is like... Knowing what you ended up with yeah. and what you have to work with because there's, there's no going back once it's done. You, you get what you agree on and then you start your life as somebody who is on their own. And so that's your starting point.
0: Well, I guess personally, uh, since we're talking about it, what's yeah. been the most challenging thing for you throughout the process? And I guess, how did you navigate
1: it? Yeah, I think for me, it's... I just really underestimated the emotional hit. And I know you're asking about money, but it's part of it because I'm self-employed. I've been self-employed for almost nine years now. And so as you know, as a fellow self-employed person, when you don't work, you don't get paid, right? And so for me, I think I had a lot of trouble like you know, mustering up the energy to work during this time. It was one of the lowest points I've had in a long time, maybe ever. And so to have to, and of course I had just written a book about, you know, mom's got money and like how, right, it's here. And it's something I'm, I'm so proud of, but it had so many family stories in it and so much advice on how to navigate money as a family. And like, I, I felt so broken and I was, I just had a, a hard time. I had to, pause certain clients. I had to really just take a lot of time to heal. And so for me, it's, The hardest part was just getting over the fact that, yeah, I was going to be doing this on my own now. And it was all up to me. There's no backup. There wasn't someone to be like, hey, you know, I'm overwhelmed with all this writing. So I'm going to, you know, pause for this summer month and hang out with the kids because you're still working. Like just that pressure of it being all on me was the hardest thing to adjust to, still adjusting to it. It's fresh. Yeah, all this just happened this year, so.
0: Yeah, the emotional toll, the financial toll, I know that there's so many times where, uh, I don't know, I'm having a rough day just as a parent, and I'm like, oh man, I think Nicole can see that sometimes, and then she steps in. It's almost like uh, something you don't have to say, and so I guess when that's gone, that is something that would be very trying for a lot of people now I know divorce isn't the greatest thing but no. like, sometimes there's good things that come out of divorce <laughs> right I mean it doesn't necessarily always have to be a sad subject right, right? I mean are, are there any positives that you've seen I
1: mean this? I think there's several linings to to anything that's challenging and there's been a lot of challenging points in my life one of the hard things was like going through Hurricane Katrina and then I met my husband right after that and then we had our beautiful children you know so like there's always a rainbow to look for in the in the hard moments but but I, I've gotten a lot of like confidence this year. And it's just like the littlest things. Like last night I made this soup that my husband always, my ex-husband always made. And like he's an amazing cook. And I always asked him to make me this in the fall. And like it was so good. And I couldn't believe that. Like I actually made the thing that I always got him to make. And there's just all these like little tiny moments of, you know, things that he used to do that I it's just every step and every day there's always something and it kind of builds the confidence builds the self-worth a little bit to be like you know what like I'm gonna be okay the biggest silver lining has been just the support I've received especially from my, my parents and and my siblings and you know I talk to them often but they really like stepped up as as parents and to a depth that I didn't expect and so there's all there's all these like beautiful moments that that do come from it for sure. Well, let's talk to the person who's
0: maybe seen the title of this episode and they're navigating yeah. divorce right now. We talked about that important step of like, hey, analyzing the numbers yeah. and getting it, especially for the person who maybe hasn't been paying. Two money nerds right here. everybody. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. for us, we're like, well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you know Ooh. every
1: single dime? Right. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk to the person who's maybe, you know, maybe had a hands off approach
0: to the money for a yeah. little while. Talk to those first steps of like starting to get the process going.
1: Yeah, well, I would say that I know it's hard to see right now if they're in this beginning process, but this is actually going to be like one of the silver linings of this because to get divorced at first it's going to seem really devastating. And even if you maybe look at your numbers at first, or maybe if you were a stay-at-home mom and you have to go back to work, there's all these like massive changes that come with it. And like, you can look at it as like your life is over or you can look at it as like, you know, your life 2.0 is beginning. And so I would say it's a lot of uh, getting a lot of mental power and kind of getting your your mental warfare game face on in a good way is I know I'm talking a lot about the emotions of it, but it's really all about your attitude and how you handle it. The income is going to be a major factor in this. And so you're going to have to make some hard choices. Like if you came to my house right now, Andy, you would see, I literally have two chairs in my living room. I like, I sold my sofa. I sold my coffee table. They're beautiful furniture, but like there's just things that I looked at and I was like, there's like a couple thousand dollars sitting here and like I need that right now in this moment of transition. And that too, just realizing that it's just a transition Transition. So I, I track my money every day. I do a net worth spreadsheet at the beginning of each month, a new single person net worth spreadsheet, which I've done it a handful of times now, and I cry every time because it's emotional. Because it's a process that I used to look at and say, "What are our big goals and where are we at?" And there used to be two people's numbers together, and so. It's hard to do, but every day just facing the financial reality, what do I need? Oh, I'm not doing well. I need to sell something. I need to pick up another job. I need to ask somebody for help. I reached out to our community. I was like, look, you know, your girl's back on the freelance train. (laughs) I need some clients, people. Um, It it just It's hard to ask for help, especially if you're not used to it and your your spouse was always your help and you have to kind of open yourself up and tell people like, I'm willing to work for it. I'm willing to do better, but I'm need some help getting there.
0: Community is a big part of it. Huge. And I know that you and I are part of a personal finance community that cares for our own. And especially when you're a rock star writer, as you Thank are, you. it's an easy thing to, to do. Talk about community a little bit for the men and women out there who are getting divorced and talk about the importance of finding that community. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, I think that it's really, really important to let somebody know what's going on because divorce, there's so much shame wrapped up into it, especially in certain communities. I know that my ex and I, we grew up in South Louisiana. It's a big Catholic community. This is something that is really frowned upon. Both of our parents have been married 40 years. And so there's so much shame wrapped up in the fact that it's falling apart and you feel like such a failure. And so you don't, it's not really something you want to like go up to your girls night and be like, guess what guys? But it's really important to let people know what's going on. I let my children's teachers know. I let the guidance counselor at their school know. My parents know. Close friends know. You included, of course. And let your, let people at work know. If you have HR at your work, I think it's helpful. That way, if something happens or your performance at work maybe isn't as great as it usually is, like people have a little bit of a concept of what you're going through. Like you don't have to keep it all in yourself. You'll be surprised. There's not one person that gave me a hard time. There's not one person that said like, wow, you're such a loser for that. Like every single person I talked to, was like, so surprised, first of all, but just like, what can I do? I think that we think people are going to judge us, but the response is actually positive.
0: You talked about being a self-employed person and you and I have to deal with our own challenges with regard to fluctuating income. And we can't just like say PTO day or whatever, but thanks for the two weeks. Exactly. (laughs) Talk to the employed person. Are there things that maybe they should be thinking about. Is this an HR discussion? Is this a taking some time off and looking for sabbatical? I don't know. I feel like there's something maybe there that we could explore with people. Well,
1: I think it really depends on your company's benefits. I know that, you know, I've had friends who work for really large companies and they just have these like flex days. They have mental health days. So it really just depends on, I guess, how woke your company is that you work for. But it might need to be something you discuss with the boss. There might be some large project that you're working on. And I know people are you tend to be private at work and, and I understand that but again, the priority here is to make sure that you have an income and that you keep your job and In a sort of emotional, like personal crisis, like this, it's good to let people know what's going on. I think. Yeah. Haven't exactly been in an office in nine years. (laughs) That's true. But that's true. (laughs) I do think it's good to know. I think it's good to look at your benefits. It's another thing, kind of like money. People are like, "Well, I think I have this benefit, or I think, I think I can take off if my kid is sick." But like, what about you? And I know that there are some companies that offer mental health services, or they might offer like eight sessions, or it just depends on how big the company is, but there might be something you can utilize to help you.
0: And on that note, I mean, whether it's a benefit at work or personally seeking some help therapy wise. Oh, for if that's sure. Helpful. Talk about the benefits of that. Yep.
1: Uh, I've been a big proponent of therapy. I've gone to therapy for many years and it's helped me so much in so many different ways. And obviously my ex and I went to a lot of therapy to, to work on things and, even though it didn't, we didn't stay married, it still has helped us with our communication, which we have to do a lot of now as co-parents. Like we didn't just go away. we have two children that we are raising this morning. I was texting him and saying, they asked all these questions about politics and here's <laughs> what I said. And he was like, oh, that's what I would have said too. And I'm like, cool, that's good. Just letting you know. So I mean, there's just, there's still a lot of communicating that has to happen. So yeah. whether you're on the, the brink of divorce or you're thinking about it, I think it's always good to have a third party and of course, afterwards, I mean, I, you know, therapy every month. And one thing I did that I didn't expect to do was I stopped drinking alcohol completely several months ago. I think I, I went to a neighbor's house and I was talking to her about the divorce and I had a couple glasses of wine with her and I felt so bad afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the next day I was just like, you know what? I am, I just don't think this is serving my mental health anymore. It's like, I'm drinking depression. It's like, I'm already in this bad spot. Why would I add something else to my body that's going to make it worse and like i haven't missed it at all. okay one time i had a steak and i really wished i had a glass of red wine but other <laughs> than that it was very fleeting and passing so again this is sort of a crisis time if somebody's considering it or going through it or maybe just had some received some devastating news that might mean the end of their marriage so it's sort of a time to like Shore up your health, your self-care, your just making decisions like going to therapy, maybe stop drinking for a little while, maybe reaching out for help. It's it's a time to really look inward and make sure that you're taking care of you because you got to kind of buckle up for the the transition for sure.
0: I, I love that. I mean, yeah, taking care of yourself, communicating yeah. more to the people in your life that love you. Yeah. And then creating community. So you're doing something right now yeah. to create a little community for I women am. out there. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, well, again, this is sort of coming from this entire process. It's, I realized, first of all, I went into like a a black hole where I didn't post on Instagram after posting every day, doing Money Mondays. I mean, I went like months without posting. And then I came back and I explained why I had left and everyone was so kind. And I realized like, God, I wish I would have said something sooner. I wish I would have like come out and said what I was going through because the support was immense. And so what I decided to do is I decided to start a Mom's Got Money Club it's an online club and each month we're going to focus on a different topic we've had over two months now and i actually created it with a business partner who set up all the tech for it and is like really amazing into personal development the first month was habits because habits are everything it's money it's exercise it's health it's habits are everything. And then this month we're doing a lot of budgeting because we're getting close to Christmas. It's like a $9 a month thing. I wanted to make a really low barrier to entry because I know that people who might be going through a divorce process or having a hard time, they might not have like a lot of available funds. So I wanted to make it easy to join. It's just a sense of fellowship. It's a small group right now, which makes the live calls really fun because it's good one-on-one Q and A, but yeah, it's momsgotmoney.club. Kat,
0: I really appreciate you yeah. joining me again. As, yes, as done thank a lot you for these, having me again. And I appreciate being vulnerable with us. Of and course. Probably helping a lot of people who are going through so. this right
1: now. I really hope so. And anyone can reach out to me as well. Andy will have my contact information. And I'm happy to help or chat with anybody going through the same thing.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you.
1: All right. Thanks, Andy.
0: Each Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Telo plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Telo, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up, the code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Telo. For some people like me, debt can feel like an incredible weight on your shoulders. After carrying that weight for a while, there comes a time when you say, I'm done with this. On our debt free living segment today, we're going to interview Ashley Patrick from Charlotte, North Carolina. Ashley and her husband Tyler became debt free after paying off $47,000 of debt in less than two years. Today, we're going to learn how they accomplished this family financial goal and what they're doing with their money now. What Welcome to the show, Ashley.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to share my story. Absolutely.
0: We appreciate your transparency and helping others win in this fashion. So talk to us about why you wanted to become debt-free in the first place.
2: Well, it all started when we owed a bunch of money to the IRS. And I didn't know how we were going to pay it back. And so I just started searching and found the debt snowball and just dove in from there. So I never really liked having debt, but it was normal. Like I never, I never thought that I could be debt free, like you know, everybody has debt, like what's wrong with debt? And it never like nobody ever told me, hey, you can be debt free until I started looking for ways to pay off this IRS debt. And it was like, oh, I can pay off all my debt. People do that. And so (laughs) I just went all in on this crazy idea of being debt free. And it went from there. And now I've, you know, snowballed into sharing that message with others as well, because it's just so normal for us to be in debt, right?
0: Well, absolutely. It's definitely normal out in society right now. Tell people what the debt snowball is.
2: So I use the debt snowball, which is focusing on the smallest debt first. So you can get that quick win. You start to get that motivation. You start to see the progress that you're making. And you're only focusing on one debt at a time. And so it doesn't matter what the interest rate is. It's just something that you can pay off very quickly. So you can get that win and feel like you're actually making progress. And then you take all the money that you're focusing on that on the first one into the next one, and so on. So when you get to the biggest debt, you have more to work with, so you can make progress faster. Because if you start with the biggest debt, it's like, Oh, this is taking forever, and you're more likely to give up. So that's why I do like the debt snowball. But there are other methods that you can use for paying off debt.
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely plays into the psychology of money there. I mean, if it's something that's a big mountain to climb, you never feel like you're going to get over it. So paying off the smaller ones make more sense. So was it $47,000 worth of IRS debt or what kind of debt was it?
2: No, it was $45,000 and $25,000 of that was student loan debt. And I had been paying on it for 10 Years and it only paid off three thousand dollars because you know, student loan interest rate is ridiculous. It was my car, and then it was the IRS debt. So the IRS debt I actually put on a zero percent interest credit card for 18 months and it was like six thousand dollars. And then I started getting the bill for it. I'm like, oh, I have to pay this like every month. Like, I don't know why I had in my head that I had like 18 months. I would just pay it off by then I would figure it out later. And then I got the bill in the mail. I'm like, oh. Hmm, and maybe I should have a plan on how I'm going to pay this off. And then once I realized, oh, I can pay this off very fast. We paid it off in like three months, I think. And then it was like, okay, well, let's keep going. And then my car was like another three months or so. And then the student loans was 10 months. So yeah, That's about 17 months. I had to do the math in my head, but the student loans, you know, that was the big one and it took us 10 months. And, you know, I just couldn't believe that I had only paid off $3,000 in 10 years of paying on this.
0: Do you think it was that intentionality? It sounds like you just kind of looked at it, paid attention to it and made some, some intention to get it done. Were there other things that you did? Did you guys increase your income, decrease your expenses? What did you do to get this done?
2: Absolutely. So, intention, of course, is key. Like being intentional with where our money was going, that was the biggest thing for us. And that's why I love teaching about budgeting and being intentional with your money because we were just mindlessly spending it. I mean, we made decent money. There was no I mean, we just weren't intentional with it, right? So I would pay the bills and then whatever was left over, we would spend. And it didn't go to anything that we like necessarily wanted it to go to. It was mostly food and eating out. And so that was a big thing that we cut back on. And we were able to save very fast, very quickly with that, with being intentional with what we did with what was left over. And so we already had some money saved. So it wasn't like we were starting from ground zero, We just weren't intentional with the rest of it. Like I always paid myself first, I had automatic savings going into every paycheck, but it wasn't much. But you know, at least it was something, you know, (laughs) but it was like $100 or something like that. And so we did at least have that baseline. But the IRS debt came from my husband losing his job. And when he lost a job, he was the main breadwinner. And we had a new house. We had a new baby, which was our second child. I had just returned to work from maternity leave. And I was like, I never wanted to be in the position again where I had to wonder how long I could stretch my savings to feed my kids and pay the bills. And so that really started the mindset shift. And then the next year when we got the IRS bill, it was like, okay, we have to do something about about this, So it was a process mentally getting there. It was kind of a series of events that happened, but it really boils down to not that fear of losing a job and that fear of owing other people money where they could take our house, they could, we wouldn't have money to feed our kids and things like that. And so that is really what motivated us to do it relatively fast, and then keep going once we were debt free to saving and building retirement, and having that extra buffer so that we didn't have to worry about those things. Okay, if we owe the IRS, we pay them, which (laughs) now that I have a business, we pay them every year. So you know, I don't have to worry about that, you know, I can just write them a check, I don't have to worry about how long I can feed my children, like I have a plan. And mental preparation is just as important as the financial preparation, right, so that we have a plan mentally so that when things do come up, we don't spiral out of control because we make really poor decisions when we're stressed and we don't know all of our options. We just see what is in front of us. We start to get that tunnel vision, right? And so when you're mentally prepared and financially prepared, you can make better decisions for the long run when things do come up.
0: You said so many great things there. My favorite is, you know, fear. It's not fun, but it can be a great motivator. Absolutely. I mean, you guys had that really scary moment in in your life where you, you know, you've got kids, you've got a situation. This is, wow, we got to make some changes. And you guys did. So talk to us about your just general income range during that time when you guys are paying off that 47K. Because for some people who are not making a lot of money, that seems like, wow, that's a lot to pay off in just two years. So what was the income range for you guys during that time?
2: So we were around I want to say together 120 to 130,000. So, you know, dual income. We did have two kids in daycare though. So, half of my paycheck, my take-home pay went to daycare plus I was a police officer at the time, a detective, and so we have mandatory pensions and all the things. So, it sounds like a lot, but when you your take-home pays, you know, after they take everything you pay for daycare didn't feel like a whole lot, right? So we did find ways to increase our income. Like my husband worked overtime. He found ways to make extra money. We sold some big ticket items, a four-wheeler and a trailer. Like, you know, we had lots of toys because we were just you know, spending money, not thinking about, you know, not being intentional with it. So we had things to sell, we had ways to increase our income, and then we saved. And, you know, like I said, the meal planning, like we saved hundreds of dollars a month by meal planning, because we were being intentional with our money instead of, eating it. Basically, we were both going out to eat for breakfast and lunch and then dinner a lot of the times. Plus, I was still spending a lot of money at the grocery store for food we weren't even eating. So we became a lot more intentional with where our money was going. So we were able to kind of do both facets, save money and make extra money to help speed up the process.
0: That's how you do it. You, you increase the income, you decrease the expenses. You look at those areas that maybe seem a little bit, okay, wow, we're going a little bonkers here. And it is amazing, even now so over the past year or so with the inflation and, and food prices eating out. It was a luxury when you did this. It's a, even more of a luxury now with the cost for everything. So talk to us about how you guys celebrated. Did you guys do anything different after you became debt free? How has this changed things for you guys?
2: Well, we did probably some things you shouldn't do. Uh, You know, we were so like feast or famine when I was paying off debt. Like we, if I could go back and do it again, I probably would have taken a little bit more time and not been so intense with it. Because when it came down to it, like when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and we had like two months left, I was like, okay, what else can we cut out? And I mean, it was like, I was cutting out everything. So then once we paid off the debt, we had to spend money to, pay for the things I'd been putting off, right? So then it just felt like we couldn't get traction on saving because we had put all these things off. And now it's like, okay, now we have to pay for all these things. Like, (laughs) you know, the problems, those things aren't going away, vehicle maintenance and just stuff just kept coming up. Of course, we didn't go back into debt, we were able to pay for those things in cash, because we didn't have the debt anymore. But it was frustrating mentally, because we weren't making progress on those savings goals. And, you know, honestly, I don't Think we even really celebrated. (laughs) Like, maybe we went out to (laughs) dinner, but we definitely didn't celebrate like we probably should have. We're really low key people, we're homebodies. We don't. I don't know. We just, we don't travel. Like maybe, I feel like we should have done something bigger, but it was like, okay, now we have to save. And now this is coming up and that's coming up. And we had some family members with health problems that ended up passing and we had to travel for that. And so, you know, our money was going to other things. And so we really weren't necessarily... Using it to celebrate or do anything like super fun. Now we did end up going to Disney World. I don't remember the time frame because I think we had to move it. So we did start saving for Disney World, but it was like a year or so later. I don't remember the exact time frame, but.
0: Did you have to go into debt for the Disney or no?
2: Absolutely not. We paid for there, it before we go. even left. Yes. So that was <laughs> kind of a celebration. We were able to pay cash for it before we even left. And everything, you know, was on the the account. Like we paid for the meal plan. Like everything, we had gift cards, you know, that we had been paying because you can save a little bit if you buy the gift cards and stuff ahead of time. So yeah, we walked away with no debt and no stress of how, how we paid for it.
0: Now you had extra money after this debt was gone. Not only did you eliminate that fear with the IRS and everything like that, and and it sounds like your husband's been gainfully employed after that. What did this extra money do for you guys? Did you guys start to invest more, save more? What has it done for your wealth trajectory as a family?
2: So we've been able to invest more in retirement. And we've always invested since we started working in our early 20s. So we are... We are really good retirement wise if we don't even put another dollar in. And so what it allowed me to do was stay at home with my kids. So after we paid off the debt, I got pregnant with the third child, I don't know, a couple months later, maybe a year, no, a couple months I don't remember (laughs) a year, maybe a little over a year after that. And so that gave us the opportunity for me to be able to quit my job because even with three kids in daycare and, and after school care, it was like what, you know, I wasn't making that much money as a detective to really justify that. But you know, our income, my income still helped pay the bills, right? So we were able to manage on one income, and it helped me be able to start my business to supplement my income as well. And if we still have the debt, I would still be working my regular nine to five stressed out job and just counting down the days until retirement. And now I'm able to like really enjoy what I have, our schedule, this season of life because I have one more year of preschool and then all my kids will be in school. And I just don't, you know, that's like feels like a whole nother season, right? So of life and I'm looking forward to it, but it's given me this opportunity to be able to do that.
0: That's incredible. So by eliminating your debt and creating some control around your money and your spending, you guys were able to go from a two-income household down to a one-income household and still feel that financial freedom.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. I won't say it wasn't tight.
2: and It wasn't hard because, you know, we had two incomes. We're used to spending two incomes. But, you know, it gave us the option to be able to do that. And that's what it's all about, right? Financial freedom is about having options in life, whatever that looks like for you. And for me, it was staying at home with my kids.
0: Talk to the parent who's listening right now that, has some debt. Maybe they've got close to $50,000 of debt or $30,000 of debt, whatever it is. And they have a two income household. They're hearing your story and they're like, wow, I would really love to be able to stay at home with my young kids while they're young and experience all the excitement that's going on. We're shelling out all this money to daycare anyway, or you know, somebody to pick them up or drop them off. I could do that. And what is the one step that they could take following this interview so they could move in the direction that you have, Ashley?
2: The biggest thing that I did and would encourage you to do is to sit down and look at your finances with the one income for the parent that would still be working. And can, can it be done? It might be tight. It might be a tight budget, but is it worth it for you? And that really gives you a goal to work towards. And maybe you do have to eliminate some of the debt in order to make it manageable and be able to afford it. And so focus on those debts that you need to cut out so that you can afford to have one income. That's really where you start. You got to know the numbers. You have to know what your options are. And maybe you can manage on one income with the debt, or maybe you have to pay some of the debt off. kind it depends on how intense you want to be? Do you want to really like suck it up and figure out how to make extra money for a year and knock it out and then you can stay at home? Or do you want to just knock out a couple debts so that you can stay home? You know, because it's your kids are only little once, right? So you have a, a small window of opportunity there. And so you have to decide what's right for you and how you want to approach it. But it all boils down to the numbers. And so you really have to look at the numbers. What are your basic expenses? If you were to stay home, what are you willing to give up to make the money stretch to make it work. And that's really, you know, where you start, you've got to have an idea of what how much income you need per month.
0: I love it. I love it. Speaking of numbers, Ashley's got a platform (laughs) called budgets made easy. Ashley, tell us more about what you do for people, how you help them and then maybe where they can connect with you.
2: Absolutely. So I'm at Budgets Made Easy and the Money Mindset Podcast. So I help busy moms just like me that are handling their family's finances and they're stressed out, they're overwhelmed with it and I help make it easier to understand and to process it and get it going, right? And so that you can pay off debt and save money. So, you know, I do have a free budget starter kit at budgetsmadeeasy.com slash start or you can follow the podcast as well, the Money Mindset Podcast, wherever you're listening to this one as well.
0: Absolutely. That's an easy thing to do right now, everybody. Just go on your podcast player, you're listening to this, type in Money Mindset and look for Ashley. Keep going from there and keep uh, improving those situations you've got with your family, looking at the numbers. Ashley, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Before we go for the day, it's time for another good word. This week, we're going to do something a little different with our good word. A few weeks ago, my friends, we asked the MKM community through social media, our newsletter, and this podcast to participate in our annual MKM survey. This is a five to 10 minute survey that really helps me improve my small business and make better content for you. and the community came out strong, everybody. We received 145 responses on the survey. Thank you all very much for helping us to learn a little bit more about how we can improve and make better content. And to help me pick three random names from the survey, the folks that responded to the survey, I'm happy to be joined by my son, Calvin Hill. Welcome back, Calvin. Hi. How are you? Good. Did we have a good day today? Yeah. What did we do? Lots of lazy bones today, huh? Yeah. It was a lazy bones day. Yeah. I heard that you got to sixty-five million cookies on Cookie Clicker. Yep. I'm proud of you. That's a lot of clicking. Yeah. Yeah. What was? Your, what's your favorite like tool to use on Cookie Clicker?
3: Time machine.
0: Time machine. But like, I'm
3: still saving up for it.
0: How much is time machine? One
3: hundred twenty-three million. I know it's
0: 456,789
3: you remember because it's that?
0: one two three four five six seven eight nine isn't that funny <laughs> <laughs> it's like a joke but anyway it's a fun game hey kids uh, kids and parents it's a fun game if you want to play with your kids it's you pretty much only, just click on a cookie
3: it's only on computers mm-hmm. and go on Google Chrome yep. and type in cookie clicker one it's the first one on the page
0: that's good news right there, everybody. A, a game to play with your kids. They're super entertained. Probably for how many, how many hours have you played it today? Maybe seven, six hours? <laughs> it's a pretty lazy day we've had today, right? Sitting around, clicking a button. Anyway, so Calvin, let's do some random drawing and bring some happiness. You get to give away $50 gift cards for Amazon to three people. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with the first one.
3: Alexa. Pick a number between one and one hundred and forty five. Here's a number between one and one hundred forty five. It's one hundred
0: forty one. OK, our one hundred and forty one. Is that a word? One first one hundred and forty first person one <laughs> is
3: Shannon from Vermont.
0: Awesome. Congratulations, <laughs> Shannon from Vermont. We're excited to provide you a $50 Amazon gift card. I'm going to be shooting you an email right after this goes out live. Okay, let's do our second one.
3: Alexa, pick a number between 1 and 145. Here's a number between 1 and 145.
2: It's 129.
0: Okay, 129. Let's uh, scroll up the list. It's 129th? Okay, I said it right this time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not 141th.
3: They are anonymous from Connecticut.
0: Yeah, it's a cool state out east. Yeah. Well, congratulations, anonymous from Connecticut. I will be emailing you with a $50 Amazon gift Wait, card.
3: Then how do we know? Well, I
0: have their email, but I don't have their name. So I'm just going to say thank you, person I don't know your name, for participating. <laughs> All right, let's do the third one.
3: Alexa. Alexa. Pick a number between 1 and 145. Here's a number between 1 and 145. It's 51.
0: Okay, our 51st is
3: Ronnie from Cape Cod, Massachusetts.
0: Awesome, Ronnie. Thank you very much. So we got three winners. We got Ronnie, Shannon, and anonymous. Thank you three very much for supporting our podcast and our YouTube channel and our social media and all the stuff we do at Marriage, Kids and Money and helping our family business grow. Yes. And we've got some nice gift cards coming your way. So look out for an email from me. It's not spam. It's really a, I'm giving you a $50 Amazon gift card. So I'll probably just send it digitally that way you don't have to like receive something in the mail and you can hopefully buy something nice for the holidays or or whatever you want to do with it. You know, what would you do with $50 extra Calvin? Robux? Yeah, that's cool, man. That's good. So, yeah, Ronnie and Shannon and Anonymous, maybe you want to play Robux. I don't know. Or play Roblox. <laughs> well, Calvin, thank you for doing this. And we created good news out there by giving away some stuff today. So, thank you for being a part of it. High five. All right.
3: And we made a deal. Yeah. Every month, I'll get 132 bucks if I work for my dad.
0: Oh, yeah. We're going to do a little extra work in the house to uh, be a part of the family business. That sounds good to me. Yeah. I love it. High five, buddy. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, my son Calvin is going to end the show with a quote today from Maya Angelou.
3: I've learned that people will forget what you said People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Maya Angelou.
0: I love that, buddy. Great reading, man. That was a one-time thing. All right, here's to building community and positive change out there, everyone. Carpe diem!